Hey, welcome to the Curate Leadership Podcast. In this episode, Julia Bell shares some thoughts around building a team culture that can take dreams and make them into reality. Thanks for tuning in. Jesus was a team guy. Jesus was a team guy. And from the moment Jesus started his ministry, he was a team guy. He started by gathering people to do the work that he knew his father had called him to do. So it's the truth (laughs) that teamwork makes the dream work. God fills us all with a dream. Very, very, very rarely will a dream come to pass with a lone soldier. It's going to take a team to make the dream work. And God has given you here at at Curate, I was going to say at Create, but it's Curate, a dream. And it's going to take a team to make that dream a reality. And so I just thought, why not let's just have a look at how Jesus gathered this team? Because the truth is, for the size dream that God has placed on Joel and Katie's heart, on your hearts, for the size dream that he's given you, this crowd is actually not going to be sufficient. You are sufficient and you are wonderful, but you're not sufficient to see the the largeness of the dream that God has placed on your heart come to pass. So you need more team. And this is how Jesus did it. Matthew 4, 18 to 22, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says this, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Everyone say, he saw two brothers. (laughs) He saw them. Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And then Jesus called out to them, come follow me. What did Jesus do? He called out to them. And then he said, and I will show you how to fish for people. Okay, that would have been a very strange concept. There must have been something quite commanding about that ask. In fact, we do know that that about Jesus. There was something quite dynamic, something quite commanding about Jesus because at once they left their nets and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers. He saw them. He saw them again. James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them as well. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. You know, the first thing I think that we need to ask ourselves, doing any church ministry or activity, the first question that we need to ask ourselves is this one. Do you want to know what it is? Who? do I need to take on the journey? Who do I need to take on the journey? And obviously Jesus had had thought that to himself. Who do I need to take on this journey of seeing the known world encounter the love of the Father? Who do I need to take on this journey? And the very first thing that he did, he saw people. He saw them. He didn't just see fishermen, doing a job, he saw a 
person. It's like exactly what Katie just said. It's, it's seeing people when they come to church. It's actually not just seeing a crowd. Today I see a crowd, but if I look long enough and I see beyond my own needs, I actually start to see people. I see them. You see, Jesus has, has always got an agenda for the people on, on the earth. And he's always got things that he wants to say, but he's looking for a people, a team, an open heart to see his will come to pass. So I walked past this guy with crutches and I felt like he's got something he wants to say to him. I don't. I don't know him. I don't know what happened to you. I'm sorry whatever happened to you happened to you. But I don't know him. I've got nothing I really want to say to him. But Jesus does. I mean, I'll, I'll say hello. How you going, mate? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but Jesus has always got a, a higher agenda, a, a greater need that he sees going on. So how do you get these people on the journey? Well, I think Jesus exemplified that so clearly in Matthew chapter 4. And so here's a few things how you develop or you build a dream team, a volunteer dream team. Because the reality is most of us are never going to be paid by church, but we're going to volunteer our time because we know that that honours Jesus. So how do you get other people on that journey? Well, the first thing, what Jesus did, you just ask. I know that's so profound. <laughs> but a lot of people over the years, I've, we've led a lot of people, and they're like, I don't know how to build my team. And I kind of think it's not that hard. You just ask people. You just, you ask them. But from kind of my reading of the scripture, you, you can't just ask, oh, um, I look after the kids. Do you want to come join my team? Like, there's no passion in that. There's no excitement. I don't want to join that team. But if you got a little bit passionate and said, oh, the kids, the kids, oh, God's heart for the kids, the Lord's heart for the kids, and we get to share his love with these influential minds at a time like this, the kids, would you, would you join my team? I reckon you've got a much higher percentage chance of someone saying yes when you ask them if you're a little bit passionate than if you just ask them. So asking needs to come with a little bit of passion. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing, um, as we read through the Gospels, Jesus taught his disciples. So the second thing, you ask them, but then you teach them what you want them to do. You can even tell them. That could be tell or teach. Jesus did a lot of that. But um, Jesus did it patiently. You know, often when we want something done, whether it be at home, whether it be in the workplace, we want it done yesterday. And why don't you just know how to do it? Whereas Jesus, he had this uncanny ability to teach the people that got on board with him patiently. I mean, sometimes he did get, I think, a little bit annoyed, like, how many times do I have to teach you this stuff, guys? But there was all that, always that sense of patience and we're taking people on a journey. If you want people to join a dream team, 
There needs to be this sense of I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to teach you what it requires to be on this team. Maybe it's something like the coffee carts. I don't know if you have coffee at Curate. Do you have coffee? Okay, well, you want the coffee at Curate to be the best coffee in the whole of this area of New Zealand. And Joel's saying, and it's free as well. Is it? That's impressive. But really, if the coffee kind of sucks and, you know, as you, is that a wrong word to say? I just saw someone go, oh, I was like, sorry. Oh, more, more horrified about the coffee not tasting good. All that says to me is nobody taught the barista how to make good coffee. So it's teaching people whatever it is they're putting their hand to, to do it well. The third thing to build a volunteer dream team is to empower. To empower purposefully, on purpose. To not always hold the role for yourself and think that, well, really, I'm the best at it. I mean, probably you are, but your team will probably eventually die with you (laughs) if you don't get anybody else on board and empower them to feel like now they've got the responsibility on them. So if we're going to build a dream team, which, of course, that's what God wants, we need to empower people. You can do it. You are awesome. Now, from my understanding, Tony, you oversee worship, is that correct? But it would have been so painful watching Tony lead worship if he tried to take over, what's your name? George's role in leading certain songs. It would have been painful for all of us. We would have all stood here going, Tony, just let her lead. Or if Tony, because he probably can play the drums also, can you also play a bit of the beat on the drum, thought, you know what, I'm the leader, so I'm going to also play the drums, we would have also said the same thing. Tony, let, what's the drummer's name? Let Doug play. See how obvious that is? But we often do that in other less obvious areas of ministry. We don't take a step back, be comfortable and secure in who we are and empower people purposefully to do what they're also very capable of doing. The the fifth thing is to release them willingly. Because you can release but not willingly. So you've, you've got to do it willingly. So uh, who's the coffee guy or girl here? Who's the coffee person? You're the coffee guy, are you? See, what a legend. You help all of us. But imagine, what's your name? Imagine if David lets someone else make the coffee on his team but really didn't do it with a willing heart. It's like, you know, you start to think, he's like, oh, that's... Yeah, okay, I'll let you go. But then you're hovering. You're just hovering. There's got to be this sense of now I'm going to release you willingly. And I'm going to stand back and I am going to be your greatest cheerleader. 
not doing this and you're not, but you've got a bunch of team leaders that are actually the best New Zealand team cheerleaders that New Zealand has ever seen, that the church has ever seen. And then you put that on repeat. So then again, you ask people, you teach people, you empower people, you release people, then you repeat that again. And if we want to grow the kind of church that God is going to send, continually send people to and trust people with, we need to ask people to get involved, teach people. We need to empower people, release people, and then repeat that journey again. Because God wants to build his church through team. So a few things that make a team awesome versus average. Okay, does anyone want to be an average team? Okay, the answer is no. The answer is we want to be awesome. Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say, we are awesome. (laughs) So here's a few things that make your team, our team, because actually we're all on the same team, awesome. First one, the team are believed in. When you are genuinely believed in, you feel like you can conquer the world. You see it said through authentic statements like, you can do this, or you're really amazing. Like, they're not false hype statements. They're faith statements that speak life and hope into people's potential. You can do this. Nothing can stop you because you and Jesus make the best combo. And so if you're going to belong to a team, do you want to belong to a team where nobody ever believes in you? Man, you want to belong to a team where people think, you're awesome. You can do this. And even if you thought when you started that you couldn't, man, you feel like you can climb that mountain, you can conquer the world. Nothing is impossible with God and you, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing that makes a team awesome is that the team feel trusted. Trusted doesn't mean we will never need input or correction or direction. It means that you have proven yourself and there is a sense that things can be left in your hands. And um, a team that can't be corrected or directed is just a rebellious team, right? So you don't want to be a rebellious team. But a team that can be trusted is one that have, have proven themselves. Um, Joel mentioned, this Joel mentioned that um, we have started on the, the journey of revitalized church. And to be really honest, it's been a, a massive a journey of just trusting the Lord that we hadn't lost the plot. <laughs> because we were, f- we were leading a a team base across Australia of over 8,000 people. That was just the people that made church happen across Hillsong, Australia. We had people, a a congregation of around about 43,000 people across a weekend. And part of those people that we did life with were trusted people. Like we had raised them up. You do 20 years of life with people, you trust them. So let alone the massive step of faith and the free fall that we felt when we resigned from our role as lead pastors, by the way, that was a journey. It wasn't just turning up one day and saying we quit. <laughs> you can't 
do that. <laughs> Takes a little bit of time. There was this free fall because we also made a decision. We're not going to ask anyone to go with us. We're not going to put it out there. We're not going to make subtle hints. Um, the Lord will bring the right people alongside of us. But to be honest, the people that have in the last, because we only launched Revitalize four weeks ago. And literally, God has brought people alongside of us. And we're only going on this journey of trust right now. But I know already watching with people that we've never worked with before, that the more that we trust them, the more that we believe in them, the more that we say, you can do it the more that they're rising up and allowing not a slow work of God, but a quick work of God to take place. You know, four weeks ago, Revitalize had four people involved. It was Joel Abel, Julia Abel, Harmony Abel and Eli Abel. We all had something in common. But by his amazing grace... And a few startup parties and a few people that answered the stir that God was placing on the inside of them. Last week, we did our first pop-up service. I don't know what that is, but, you know, it's just like we're, we're popping up a church sort of environment and then we're going to go away again <laughs> while we go figure some more things out. And by His amazing grace, we had over 200 people pop up with us. That's not because we gathered out of the 45,000 that we were leading. Come, come, come. We're going to need some help. Come, come, come. It's because we truly did surrender our lives to him, take that leap of faith and trust that he was going to do what he put on, his heart, on our heart, what he said he was going to do, and then start to trust a few people. You, gotta, you, gotta, you, you can't get good at this. You know, like we're so professional. We're, we're just professional church people now. Like we've been doing this for so long. You know, it's so easy, like doing it for 20 years, leading a really large church and having phenomenal, phenomenal world-class leaders all around us. You can get really good at it. Good. I'm good at this. I'm good at church. And, but I reckon God doesn't want that. I just want God wants, you know, pliable, humble people that he can trust. And that's exactly what you want, right? You don't want know-it-alls on your team. Oh, we just know it all. You want trusted people. You raise up trusted people. Raise up trusted people. The third thing. Number three. The team know what they are meant to achieve. They know what the outcome is. One thing Joel and I have kind of made a decision of, like, we're going to be clear what, what the end result is. We want to be clear what the fruit is that we're expecting. But we also want to be broad enough to allow people to get that outcome in their own way. We don't want to be always telling people, this is how you get that outcome. Because what if someone on your team could get the same outcome but a better way? That's how things progress. That's how businesses change. That's how churches go from 200 people in attendance to 500, to 1,000, to 100,000. That's a big skip. 
But you start to allow people, see your outcome doesn't change, your vision doesn't change. This is what we want, but we allow people the liberty and the creativity to get the outcome that we're all after. That's how you build a dream team. So um, something that we're saying at Revitalize is perfect will never be our standard. You'll never hear that from Joel and I. We're not after perfect. What we are after is our best. We're just after our best. And I think that's all God is after with us. Don't you think so? Don't, don't you think that's all God is after in our relationship with him? He's not after perfection. Well, I'm not having you in my presence because you're not perfect. You know, imagine we would have never all had that experience in worship today where his presence fell because we're not perfect. You know, we're, he only asks us for our best. And I think if you're a team leader here, or first of all, if you're a team leader, just inspire people to give their best. And if you're on a team here, just offer your best. And I, I, you know, I really love, Joel, that you just really congratulated people today on being here and, and allowing their spouse, partner, to be at home looking after the kids. That's so freeing. Because, you know, when you're raising a family and there's lots of things to do, I mean, you want everybody at everything because you want them to experience it all. I get all that. But at the same time, there's this freedom that the person that comes can give their best. The person who is at home can give their best. The kids feel like they've got the best. The kids love the church. And there's this environment where people start to thrive, not because it's perfect, but because everybody is just sharing their best, right? Okay, number four. The team feel like they have the tools they need to do their job. This is a tough one. I don't know if Joel's going to talk about this. Um, but the most engaged people in a business or in a church, even in a home, are those who feel like they've got the tools, whatever they may be, to do their job well. And um, sometimes budgets restrain that, but it's really important that we go on that journey of everyone having the tools they they need to do their job well. Number five, the team feel appreciated. I love that Joel also and Katie just gave a personal thank you to everyone today corporately. But um, thank you is a really important word, as you know. <laughs> I think this is your year of thankfulness. And but that a thank a thank you goes a long way. And the truth is that Joel and Katie can't get around to all your teams and give them a personal thank you. They can give a corporate thank you. And by the sounds of it, that's what they're all going to do, always going to do. But it's very powerful when people get a personal thank you. It's just recognize what people are doing and appreciating it. Okay, the next, the next thought is that the team atmosphere is wholesome and wholehearted. And I'm going to finish with this one. Um, Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, just if you listen to this really closely. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked 
or stand around with sinners or join in the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. It's those people that read this thing and put it into practice called the Word of God. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. So those who don't have joy and will cause problems in a church are those that do this. They don't follow the, they, they follow the advice of the wicked. They stand around with sinners doing what they're doing and they join in with the mockers. That's not going to help team unity and that's not going to build a dream team. The dream team is they don't do that. They don't follow the advice of the wicked. They don't stand around with sinners and they don't join in mockers. This is what they do do. They always speak well of one another. Always. I'm always going to speak well of you. That is a discipline. It's a discipline in a marriage. It's a discipline in the workplace. It's a discipline in church life when you have this huge mishmash of personalities coming together. But it's the people that do these things that they become like fruit, like trees planted by living waters. Always speak kindly and with generosity to one another. That's a challenge, but powerful. It's staying grounded. So cool, calm and collected. Anyone a little bit of a volcano when it comes to, you know, things don't go the way that you think that they should be going and it's like, bah! Okay, maybe you don't go, bah! But, you know, there's a bit of a volcanic eruption. Whereas if you want a good team dynamic, it's cool, calm and collected at all times. And issues don't become a mountain or a wedge because the right questions and discussions are had. The truth is that God is wanting to do something so significant. And I believe it. It's, I'm not just saying it to be encouraging that Jesus has something on his heart that he wants to do. Like I believe it with all my heart. He has something on his heart that he wants to do. And he can't just do it with one or two. He needs to do it with a unified team because that's where he commands a blessing, life forevermore. He wants to do it with a unified team that are all about getting more and more people on the journey. And I believe curates best days are ahead. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. For more content and updates, check out curatechurch.com. Follow us on social media or download the Curate app.